Hello, Michael. Hi, Shlomo. How are you? I'm good. Great. Thank you. Thanks for the uh, chat prior to the call. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I was just like, you know, just a few minutes ago, so I told the, uh, my wife the story with the recording and everything, right. like what we had. No problems. Uh, and then she said, maybe you have the recordings because sometimes you record. And I just look at the files like, oh, yeah, I have it. There it is. <laughs> it's all good. There's a lot to talk about. You do a lot of things. And there are birds in the background. Is that Are those real birds? Those are real birds. I'm at, my, uh, at the porch of my yard, yes. Are you in Israel? I'm in Israel. That's super, because I noticed on your blog you say that you are location independent, which I like a lot. I am. Um, I am. Uh, we do, uh, we call them workations, so we are based in Israel, but uh, from time to time we go for a few months here, a few months there, so... Uh, when we can and feel like that's how it works. Can you just run me through that a little bit? I want to talk, I want to really focus on the free financial self thing because I know that's where your focus is too, but I really want to understand the logistics behind. I'm just going to pick up, I have a two-year-old daughter, I think if I remember correctly, and I'm just going to go somewhere else. How does that work? <laughs> you know, it literally, as you just, you just said it, um, I, because our daughter is kind is now homeschooled. I mean, she's with us at home. We manage to manage our jobs with that. So when the schedule permits, meaning that we don't, uh, um, let's say, family stuff happening, events, things like that. Um, so when we have a long enough time, then we uh, try to schedule some kind of a vacation or, or a long trip. But is it kind of is it kind of ad hoc? Like, could you wake up at, in the middle of next week and say, "Hey, sweetheart, I think we'd like to go to pick a place. You know, a place that's temperate. I'm presuming you wouldn't want to go someplace that's colder than where you are. That's just my bias, right? I don't like the cold. But I'm presuming you're not getting on a plane and going to Niseko. You're more likely to go to Bali. I'm guessing. Well, actually, colder is not a priority. Um, it's not a um... I guess it's not a thing, but um, we do talk about this from time to time. Sort of saying, yes, we would like to uh, maybe. I mean, we think that next December is a good time for us to go somewhere. Let's try to plan around that, and then we start thinking about this where we want to go, previous connections, things that we've done, things that we've heard. Then at some point, buying the tickets, letting the family know, <laughs> and go. <laughs> <laughs> but you also write that you Airbnb your house out when you're gone. That's that's correct. Uh, well, it's two things. Um, we Airbnb it actually when we live in it. So if people book it while we're here, then we go. We, we, mo many of the weekends we go to family anyway. So if we have bookings on that weekends, then we go to family. So this is where while we're still in Israel, um, while we're um, traveling, then we usually not usually always uh, rent it out for a, um, a, a couple of months just for the period that we're going. So um, most of the time that it happened wasn't through Airbnb, though sometimes it's a, a part of an Airbnb party is like somebody we find. So it really depends on kind of subletting the house. And when you built the house, because I remember you telling me that you also built a house relatively in a moderate way, right? When you built it, did you build it with the intention of renting it out when you weren't there? So it's kind of purpose-built for that as well? Um, the thought was there while we 
built it, but we didn't do anything special to accommodate for hosting. I mean, it would fit somebody like us. Uh, so we were a couple with a little girl. Uh, but to be completely frank, we even hosted, and I mean, while we were still in the house for a weekend, friends that are a family of, with three kids. So we were eight people instead of three. Um, so it accommodates more people if you really want to. I love it. I think you're living like the most modern life that I've ever heard of. Modern in what way? What do you mean? Well, modern in like you're taking advantage of all of these sort of the network of the world possibilities, right? In other words, you run your own business, right? So you talk about free financial self and then you teach people how to do that, which I want to talk about in a second. But also you're location independent, which means you use the fact that the world is really small now because air flight is relatively cheap, right? And also communication is seamless, which means no matter where you are in the world, you can still do what you do. And if you want to communicate with your family, so if your in-laws or your parents miss your daughter and want to talk to their granddaughter, they can still see them, whether it's via Skype or some other chat mechanism that has video. And there are so many other things, but also because if you're a Bitcoin investor and you have cryptocurrency, that means you can transfer money around the world really easily. These are all things you may not have been able to do seven years ago. You just seem to be taking advantage of all of them. I'd use anything I can, and I'm finding always finding new ways, I must say, uh, to really uh, use the assets that I have and what the world is offering us. There are many, many ways you can do that. Right, but isn't that the whole sort of philosophy you have around life? That's what it seems like to me. It's like, in a way, it's not just the free financial self. It's the free self. No? Definitely. Um, I I like to be... I'd call it flexibility. I like to be very flexible with, with what I have and what I do. And that also goes down to even like simple choices in life. So I would prefer having, uh, let's say if we're renting out an apartment, if, if you used to rent, then it would be something which is furnished or not something that we have to go and buy stuff and, you know, carry all our furniture with us. So we're trying to be very minimalistic and in and, and the things that we have. So if you really need to move somewhere, as example, we can actually fit almost everything in boxes and not doing a whole huge move wherever we would need to. Um, that's flexibility for me. That's what I like. Right. So and remind me, where do you live exactly in Israel? So we live on the very close to the coastline, like 10-minute drive in the midway between uh, Tel Aviv and Haifa in Israel. You it's a small f- town called Pardes Khana. Right, but you live on the, basically you live on the coast, on the west coast, right? Uh, I have that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but though people with Israel would not say you live on the coast, that, that's funny that you're saying this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you're, you said 10, did you say 10 minutes or 10 miles? It's less than 10 miles. Right. Yeah, they said 10 minutes. Right. That's what I thought you said. To me, that's on the coast. I don't know. Like when I grew up in Massachusetts, I guess I was right on the coast. But still, I consider that on the coast. We're far from the coast. Yeah, fair (laughs) enough. I guess if you're living like right on the beach in Tel Aviv or right on the beach, it's it's different. But That would be on the coast. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. We can't see the sea from our window. I'm sorry. Um, We survived. But tell me, was there like some kind of watershed event in your life? that made you think, okay, I want to have the most financial freedom. I want to have the most flexibility in my life. I want to build my life in this way. Or is this something that you just developed over time? It's more of a thing I developed over time. I saw that I can do um, much more with the keeping flexible lifestyle. Um, and um, 
and it's it's a it's a process because as you mentioned there are things that change in our world that enable you to do more um so i'll give an example i started my um entrepreneurship and my financial education at about the same time maybe a year or two apart um and the courses that I took were uh, uh, were mainly uh, about stock investments and real estate investments, uh, and I was doing uh, entrepreneurial projects uh, related to internet marketing. Um, but nowadays, there are so many other things that you can invest and look at. You can do international investment. I did a, uh, had a course only in in in, uh, in Israel, and now there are so many possibilities. Also, while while you travel, so I see more. I'm 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 Open, open to much more opportunities out there. So things change. So it's a process of educating yourself and discovering new opportunities. I'd say that. I notice when you talk about the free financial self that you spend a lot of time talking about diversification and investment diversification. Do you want to talk about what that is in slightly more detail and just explain to me how you find the deals? You were talking specifically about real estate. How do you find a deal in the United States or a deal in Portugal or a real estate deal in Japan. How do you go about doing that? And can you talk about diversification first and why it's so important? Sure. So uh, for just to define diversification, it would be investing either in different assets or if that's real estate, that would be different geographies uh, that enable you to enjoy uh, different taxes. Or if the, one of the markets goes down, then obviously you're not, not all your, your investments go down. Um, so that's basically the, the definition. Um, I'm, I'm looking at things that I have, uh, that I'm somehow connected to. So as example, uh, I was looking at also properties in Thailand when we, we had a workation there for two and a half months. Uh, eventually we didn't invest in there. Uh, Portugal came, uh, because we spent two months in Portugal. So I was looking at that market as well. Um, and it can be that, you know, I haven't invested in those yet, um, but I'm looking at those, at those as opportunities. So when the right time comes for me, um, I'm able to do that and move forward. So that was, um, so compared, let me compare. So Portugal's example was uh, kind of sniffing the market. I was looking, I was, I went to uh, meetups there. I was speaking to some people about the investments there. Uh, friend that, friends that invested there before. So I know, I have a feeling about the market or some of that but not very deep. On the other hand, in Thailand, I was looking at a specific property and and uh, made a whole due diligence uh, uh, on the market. But it, basically, um, these are two options that I have right now. Now, the U.S. is also an option, and just because it's a, at least for Israelis, it's an easier market to do. Uh, there are many, many Israelis that actually invest there. Um, so you have, let's call it the market experience. Um, versus Japan, which I know nothing about, um, and I know nobody who invested in Japan, so I probably would not do that right now. But Got maybe it. I look at it when I'll travel Japan. Got it. The other thing you talk about is correlation. Do you want to talk about correlation too, just so people understand? Two, these are two very important points when you're talking about your free financial self. Is you need a diversified portfolio, like you said, diversified assets, and also diversified geography. But you also right. want to make sure that you're not having correlated investments. What does that mean? So basically, the correlation, correlation between assets would be uh, things that are in the same market. So if, some, if let's say, uh, investment A goes up, so investment B also goes up. 
uh, and vice versa. And I wouldn't let that to happen because that's that's a risk. Uh, people can claim that if it goes up, then obviously it's better that both assets go goes up. But when they go down, then you're really in uh, deep trouble. So you want to prevent that by again diversifying um, geographically um, and assets-wise. When I'm speaking about assets, I, I'm talking about let's say you diversify your investments between real estate, stock portfolio, and Bitcoin. And when I'm talking about the and when I'm talking about diversification, this can be that your stock portfolio is in the Israeli market and in the U.S. market uh, stock exchanges. And for recently, we just spoke of, of investing in a few other geographies. Uh, but basically, yes, the diversification and the correlation between your assets is, is, is the core two things. It's very important. So you just brought up another topic that I find fascinating. That is cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And mm -hmm. I noticed in your blog as well, I, I just thought it was kind of funny, actually. You you erased or put a line through the 400% increase and changed it to 700%. <laughs> yeah, and now it's, and today's different. <laughs> right. That's the point, though. I think it's kind of funny anyway, but just that you have a sense of humor enough to be able to sort of put a line through it. I don't think you're making the point that, you know, you're bragging about the increase. You're just like, okay, that's not right today. This is a new number, which I thought was kind of funny. It just shows you have a sense that's of humor. Right. And I can change it a few times a day. A day if you wanted to. But what's your yes. view? What's your overall view on this? And I'm not talking about where the market's going and if it's going higher or lower, because I think it's a, I think it's a fool's errand to actually try to determine on any particular day and any particular month, which way any asset is going. I just want to know what the long-term view is and what your introduction was to this and what it's based on. So before you just said what you said, I was about to say, I have no idea where the market is going. <laughs> right, because you don't, and neither do I, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if you uh, read more through the blog, you'd see that it's, I don't see this as, as, a, as, a, as an investment. I do very little with it because it's still, still it's, it, it's it, uh, infancy. So right. nobody know, knows where that goes. Uh, that said, I still want... Uh, to enjoy that uh, upcoming, if if this this asset really goes up, I really want to enjoy it. So I put some on that asset, uh, and yes, that's also a kind of diversification of my assets. Um, I see this as a future, as, as the technology, blockchain technology. For now, most of that, what I do is is with Bitcoin. Is this is the strongest coin? And yeah, I'm aware that it might vanish one day, but that would not destroy my lifestyle. I mean, so I'm, I'm sleep very well at night, so right. I don't mind. But isn't that part of an isn't that part of a really positive investment philosophy? And that is, don't necessarily invest. And this gets back to diversification and correlation, right? Don't necessarily invest either so much in one thing that's going to massively impact your lifestyle. And two, don't have such a concentrated portfolio where if that one thing goes wrong. And you lose that particular money, particularly if you're investing in a new asset like Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, that if it goes to zero, you're still okay. The basic thing is uh, you need to sleep well at night. It's not worth it if you're terrified. That's I, what you need to do. I agree. And that goes for assets and goes for uh, the amounts that you uh, invest in, in, in things. I mean, we if, if you're all stressed about it, it's probably not for you. <laughs> I could not agree more. Um, and you also mentioned blockchain, right? So we talked a little bit about cryptocurrency. What's your long-term view on sort of distributed ledger technology and what you think it's going to do to the financial industry overall? 
Oh, wow. That's a good question. Mm. Um, you know, I don't see myself as, as a, a blockchain uh, expert to really, I kind of use the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm using the application and I know what it gives to what it gives to me. Except that you know you have the problems of of of, of uh, too many uh, transactions, and then it's slower and, and more expensive. So 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 things so it still has its problems, um, but not so much on where the future is. What I see uh, in general, and obviously I'm I'm not uh, saying anything new here, is is being able to transfer money. Uh, person to person very easily and and cheaply uh, which is obviously becoming easier and easier but we're not there yet let's say this right no interesting and I kind of look at the blockchain for most people right so for the, the common person in the same way that I look at TCP IP like it drives so much the internet protocol drives so much of the stuff that we do but most people really don't know how it works and frankly don't really need to know how it works and I think in the end, if, if the blockchain or distributed ledger technology ends up being successful and ends up becoming as big of a part of our life as I think it's going to become, that most people won't even know it's there in the same way that people don't know right. how like an ATM works or the television works. They just – it's there. It works. They use it and they appreciate it. And in the on the back end, you know, the broadcasters for TV do stuff in the same way that uh, your email works every day. I think it's going to end up being the same way. What do you think? It's an infrastructure. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Then you bill on it whatever you want. Um, I, I mean, except of obviously using it for for money, uh, for money transfers transactions. I mean, um, I've seen great applications for data. Basically, I think it has it has a promising future. I agree. So, free financial self is a business that you run, right? Yes, that's correct. Do you want to talk a little bit about that front to back, like how it works, what you do, where people can find it, what the benefits are, stuff like that? I noticed you produce videos as well as blogging, but what's the whole holistic view on what that is? And So I help solopreneurs, freelancers get get control over their finances so it's no longer a distraction or point of stress. That's the basic idea. And it goes together with not only finances but also um, the design of your future life how would you like that to be so these two things need to be um aligned so it would be different if you want to be um out of you want to retire in five years in in manhattan versus if you want to if you want to retire in 10 years or 15 years in chiang mai in thailand right so you need to prepare differently and i think that people especially entrepreneurs don't think about this enough these days so, uh, and this is what I'm, I'm, I'm mentoring and, and coaching people for to really have some kind of a life plan according with uh, aligned with a financial plan. That's the basic thing. Right. And what are some of the challenges and maybe some of the pushback that you get from people who say, you know, I'm only 27 years old or I'm only 32 years old. I can wait another few more years and maybe enjoy what I'm doing already, or I don't have to start saving now. Like, what, what do you, how do you convince people? What's the kind of pushback and challenges that you have when you're trying to help people organize their finances? So I must say, I'm not here to convince anyone. This is not my job. First, the person needs to see that they have a problem. Um, and you'll be surprised that what I find is that the trigger, I mean, you mentioned uh, age 27 or 32, that people are not worried about their future. Actually, I found that this is a trigger. 
so that people are about to turn 30 and then they start to think about their future. Hmm. So that's actually, so maybe the question would be if they're 19 or 22 and they're not thinking about the future, but if they're already 27, 28, 30, I, I speak with people who that's their trigger to really think about their finances and the future and having family and uh, quote unquote settling down. That's when people are thinking about this. Right. Um, and some people really don't know what they want. They're not sure. Um, they are, I'm talking with people about their future and some people uh, have very short term plans. Uh, it's very hard for, for somebody to really think so, so far into the future. Basically, basically no plan. That, that's something that I see a lot. And then the, even if that's a, a, a short term, if, even if you're talking about the short term, you'd still find people that are not uh, financially organized. That's hap that happens as well. So let alone uh, organize for 30 years from now. Yeah. So how does that manifest itself when you talk about people that aren't financially organized? What does that really mean? It means that they don't know, um, they don't know their net worth, how much they're worth today. Right. They don't know where their money goes uh, uh, every month, what they're paying for, what they can do better uh, to really save more and invest more. They don't know how to optimize their finances to really make more money. As example, just like we do with our assets, our house. Right. So that, that helps us. People don't use those tools out there that they can to optimize and be better with their finances and overall with their lives. Yeah, I mean, I do this a lot with people, right? So I try to tell people, I ask them how much money, how many bank accounts do you have is a question that I like to ask people. People And most people are like five, seven, they don't even know really. And I said, okay, well, do you know how much money is each one is in each one of those accounts? And they're like, mm, not exactly. And I always say, that's a problem. And, and you don't have to agree with me on this, right, Shlomo, but that's my feeling on this, right? So I say, do you use any software to track them? And they say, no, I just use the software that the bank gives me. And I just log in online and see how much money I have when I need it to pay my bills. And I said, but consolidated, you don't know, right? This is your thing about net worth. Most people have no idea. But I have a couple of pieces of software that I recommend to people. I'm wondering if you have one or two go-to pieces of software that you think are necessary, or, or maybe you don't. I'm just curious. So I've, I've actually asked this question a lot um, about what kind of software or app you can use to help me manage my finances. Um, and I find it very hard to answer uh, because many of the software out there are country specific. So if you're American, uh, you have many, many options out there. And in order to be uh, to use them, you have to have a social security number. Uh, I don't have a social security number, so I can't use it. And I wish I could have used them, okay? Because there are a lot of wonderful, wonderful options out there, which I'm, I'm looking at and learning about, uh, but are out of my reach. Versus Israel, where uh, there is uh, one app that connects everything together, but it doesn't connect to my uh, PayPal or any of my uh, Bitcoin accounts, of course, though they're working on it. So I... I, I calculate everything myself every month, and then you have a report on Mon Free Financial Self on the blog every month. Uh, how much? What is my net worth? Um, and and I report on this, so I have everything uh, consolidated. Um, there are a few. There is one solution that I know, which is a global one called PocketSmith, which uh, I'm about to look. At. Actually, I looked into, but at that time it wasn't connected to too good to Israeli accounts. Some of them. 
um, and I probably should check it again. But this connects to many, many financial services around the world, and that might be a good solution for, for some people. But the bottom line is it, it has to be specific per person and what their, what their, where their bank is, what their nationality is, things like that. Right, but they should use something, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it shouldn't be – so you say you consolidated. I'm guessing um, what, export things into Excel or some kind of spreadsheet and then consolidate it there and then use that for your reporting functionality. Is that a fair guess? So I do um, – my bank accounts are through that Israeli app that I mentioned. Right. And the, my net worth is totally manual. I log into every one of those at the day that – towards the end of the month. And then I just write it down on Google Doc and that's it. Wow. So do you think there's an opportunity – do you think there's a – is that a market cap? Like should somebody fill that market cap or is it just too hard and too much of a moving target – you know, the 180 countries in the world maybe that have financial institutions that are viable and is it just too many countries and too many idiosyncrasies in each country for someone to build something that could consolidate all that? Or do you think in 10 years everyone's just going to be using one Bitcoin or one cryptocurrency and it's not going to matter? I think that it, it will still take time for us to use only one Bitcoin account and nothing yeah. else, <laughs> unfortunately. I, I know that. I was just I was kind of kidding, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> in other words, is that a market cap or is it just too hard for someone to fill? So the closest one that I know of, and uh, again, I need to check again how good they are and depends on which country. That would be the Pocketsmith ones. Right. Um, and some, by the way, some some companies, uh, American companies are going overseas, but when they go overseas, it's kind of like, yes, we're now international. We now do the mess. US and Australia. Right, and Australia. Like, Thank you. That's sure. two countries. <laughs> right. I, I talked to companies. It's funny you mention that, right? It's a completely different conversation, but I talk to American companies about this all the time. Really, what an American company does when they go overseas is they'll go to Europe because, you know, they did a, some, you know, a semester abroad, like in France or something. So they consider that to be international. And then they'll go to Australia because it's another English speaking country. country. It just feels really lame to me. And I say, you should be in Southeast Asia where there are, you know, 650 million people. And they're like, it's just too hard. Which, again, for me is great because it's just a market gap that they're leaving wide open for somebody here to fill. And plenty of people here will fill that gap. But I just think it's funny that you've mentioned that as well. <laughs> so do you, do, you, yeah. do you go back to China at all? We haven't talked about it. But when was the last time you were in China? You must still communicate with people in China. You're still running a business there, right? Yeah, I still uh, App in China is still running by my team right there. Um, though I don't need to, uh, I'm not, I don't manage the day-to-day -day operations anymore. So I uh, I have time to run free financial self. Uh, last time I was in China was uh, uh, June a year ago or 11 months ago. Um, and so for now, no China trips are planned. Uh, though Southeast Asia trip is planned for the end of this year. Really? Where are you going to go? Um, for now, the plan is going back to Thailand and probably the Philippines. Now, I hope that your listeners would not hold it against me if we don't go. But well, if you don't come to Thailand, I don't think anybody's going to hold it against you. My listeners are in 75 or 80 countries. I don't think anybody in Thailand is going to take it. <laughs> I don't think anybody in Thailand is going to take it personally. Maybe somebody register this somewhere and then they'll say something. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. They're but just that's, they're that's just happy you're talking about it. Thailand is one of the most <laughs> is one of the most traveled two countries in the world. I don't know. Some more than 20 million people came here last year. Um, I think it's going to be okay. Michael, there are, I think they're on 35 million now, and I, I think they're expecting. 7 million 
So plenty of plenty of tourists coming here, and a lot of people. You, when you come, where do you come? Do you come to Bangkok or do you go to Chiang Mai? Do you go to one of the sort of digital nomad places? So my Thailand experience is two and a half months in Chiang Mai, which were amazing, um, and then a week in uh, in the islands. We 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 like someone we spoke with who was a digital nomad for like uh, a year or maybe a year and a half. Uh, coined i didn't hear that that term before called a slow man so we just go slowly from one country to another we don't like to hop too much we kind of like the local lifestyle get to know your uh, the local people the local stores live like a local so we stay we try to stay for a long time you know for years i had this um this dream that if i could i would live six months in every country in the world so i'm not doing six months but uh i'm trying to do as much as possible yeah i mean my dream is really to spend a quarter a third of the year in thailand a third of the year in europe and a third of the year in japan and that could be kind of anywhere in any one of those countries or regions so i agree and i love this concept of slow mad right because you get the sense that a digital nomad is really what's the word parapiatic right they're a week here two weeks there three weeks there they're running around a lot but this slow mad idea is like i think i'm just going to be in vietnam for 3 months mhm exactly then Not, you really get to know what's yeah, going on yeah. and you're connected and you have the full experience well you can we can't say the full experience but as much as you can it's better than most people that really just either get on a bus tour or just stay in a place for three or four days and then say no, they've been to Ho Chi Minh. It doesn't work, no, right? No, doesn't work, right? No, 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 not for us. So, what does your family, your extended family, think about the way you've chosen to live? You know, the two and a half months in Thailand, and then maybe being in the Philippines, but also being in Portugal, and you know, this slow mad lifestyle that you have, but also the sort of building the financial efficiency into it as well. You know what I mean? Like when you talk to your parents or your in-laws or even just your friends from university, do you mm -hmm. get people buying into it or do you get people saying like, Shlomo, this is really insanity. Why don't you just slow down? So it really depends when. I think uh, about uh, a year and a half ago, it would be like, oh, you're going again. And now it's even from the family. Okay, so when you're going next time, right. oh, where are you going next time? So I think they kind of got used to this. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and from, so, so in our, uh, community here, when we meet people over the, on the weekend there, so we, we are, we also, as I mentioned, we're going to family, uh, a lot. So we're here every few weeks, let's say every three, four weeks on the weekend. So when people see us like, Oh, so you're here now. And like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and other friends, they, they like it. I mean, they, they say, Oh, you leave the dream lifestyle. They, they really, I, I hope that we're kind of an inspiration and hoping to to get people to know that it is possible. I understand that not everybody can do it, but to some extent, maybe you can still flexidize, if that's a word, your life. You can. So let's just say this. You can add flexibility into your life in a way that you hadn't necessarily imagined. I think in a way, the more children you have or the more of your extended family for which you're responsible, the more difficult it becomes maybe. But again, that's part of your future planning, right? It's what kind of life do you want to have in 15 years? Where do you, you want see, to be? And you should start thinking about it, right? You see people on Instagram with five kids traveling. Yep, I mean, no, I see it possible. a lot. I do they're, see they're, it. They're nomads. They're, they're, they're defining themselves as, as a digital nomad family. Yep. Look, I had somebody visit me in, in Thailand. It's probably now three years ago. 
three, I want to say three boys, it might be two boys, but either way, and they traveled all over the world and they used kind of my house as a base for a few months where they just popped in for a couple of days and then popped out and popped back in again, you know, a month later or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And then they moved back to Colorado and I think they're in Boston now, but whatever it is, they moved around a lot. They spent a year doing it and the kids loved it, but they also grew up a lot in a way, matured a lot, I think is the better word. I think it's awesome for children. Because it exposes them to things to which they'd never be exposed if they lived in one place for 10 or 15 years. Unchanged, right? I totally totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. That said, by the way, it doesn't mean that you do it your whole life. I mean, I I, I do it right now or we do it right now because we like it and it works. If that would be too difficult and we'll find something that works for us better, we'll do it. I mean, it's not a, a life obligation. No, but again, you said flexibility. Flexibility means having a choice. So if if 10 years from now or even five years from now, you decide, you know what, we're going to stay here. We're going to, you know, live halfway between um, Haifa and Tel Aviv and you just settle down. That's fine as well, but that's your choice, right? And basically what you're saying is, you know, you should build in not just the flexibility, but the free financial freedom as well to be able to make that decision. So you're not wed to one thing or one place. And I want to say this too. I was having a discussion with somebody today who is 27 years old and talked to him about building multiple um, income streams. And none of mm-hmm. them none of them in and of themselves actually have to be that large. Like they can be. The larger the better, obviously. But if you have three or four streams of income where it's $1,000 here and $2,000 here and $500 here and $200 here and some of them can be fun income, some of them can be passive income, as long as you're building that flexibility into your life, that's the best way to do it, like you said. And if none of those income streams are either correlated or non-diversified, now you're living a really great life, I think. And that was the point I was trying to make to him too. And the longer you do this, the more freedom you have. And I think the free financial self is what's trying to teach that to people over time, right? Definitely, definitely. And yeah, that's the diversifying I was talking about as well with the income streams, of course. Yeah, and I think that ends up being really powerful because once you build that into your life and the earlier you build it in, the more it just becomes a part of your life like everything else. That just becomes a habit that you have. And if you can develop those habits early, it just means later on in life, if one of those income streams go away or a little bit of flexibility disappears, you know how to build it in later. If you try to start doing that when you're 45 years old, you're just lost, I think. You can still do it. It's just harder. It's much harder. By the way, i got to ask you something about this, these uh, income streams. So I've heard, and I don't remember from where, that the magic number is seven income streams. Does that come from somewhere? I, I'm sure, I, I mean, I heard it. And I'm not sure what's the origin of that. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. What I said to somebody today was three to five. And okay, somebody somebody told me that, that this is a, a magic number. Somebody, some book maybe speaking about, you know, you need to get to seven. Maybe. So this is, I think, what people believe they should have. Yeah, I mean, I won't argue with any number, really. But if seven's the lucky number, then let's shoot for seven. But I still think you know, three to five is going to work really well. It gives you a, a yeah. enough diversification. And remember, you have to manage all those things too, which was one of the reasons why I asked you about software earlier, right? So right. I've been using Quicken and then I moved into iBank and a couple of other pieces of financial software forever, literally forever, probably for more than 20 years. And, um, you know, I like to be able to look at, what my net worth is large or small right again just so you know like you said you were able to live in thailand for less than a thousand dollars or approximately a thousand dollars a month you can 
Oh, you definitely, you definitely can. can. You definitely can. And that was the conversation I was having with this guy. So $1,000 a month is 30,000 baht or 33,000 baht, depending on the exchange rate. And if you're making more than that, 50,000, 100,000, 150,000 baht in time, which is possible with three or four income streams, you can live really well for a really long time. And I think that's the way life should be, frankly. I agree. Definitely agree with this. That's possible. Yeah, definitely possible. Anyway, um, I'll let you go. I really appreciate your time again today. And uh, I just want to say thanks for doing it. We should do this again. And this will go out really soon. So no worries. Wonderful. Thank you very much for having me. It was great being here.